Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Years, session number 462. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great Instagram Live Q&A that we did a week ago that I wanted to play for you today. Before we jump into that though, the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. As we are recording this, we're winding down September. I can't believe the year is almost gone. And October is typically, and it is again this year, when the AAMC releases their next availability to schedule the MCAT starting January in the following year. And that is no different this year. Again, what is different a little bit is that you schedule over two days, depending on where you are in the country. You schedule one day if you're in one part of the country and another day if you're in another part of the country. Uh, So that is something to be aware of. That is to reduce some stresses on the AMC's servers because they can't figure out how to not make their website crash. Um, But hey, it's something. Uh, But be prepared to check that out. Understand that registering for the MCAT is a good idea to do early. And we have a great episode coming up here on uh, the MCAT podcast. uh, All about, there's a whole new series coming, the MCAT 101 series, where we talk about why it's so important to get that registration in early. I know a lot of you know why, because you've been listening for a while, and a lot of you don't, because you're new here. If you're new, welcome. Let's go ahead and jump in. Again, don't, before we jump in, don't forget to check out Blueprint MCAT over at blueprintmcat.com. Let's go ahead and jump in to our Instagram Live today. What's up, Instagram Live? Dr. Gray in the house. Um, what's going on? It's Friday, September 24th. We're going to hang out, have a little chat for an hour or so. I love Friday mornings. I get to come hang out with you and uh, just chat. Hello, Hardy, 
Bredo Potato. Bredo Potato. What's going on? Happy Friday, VCAT. Helen, hello, hello, hello. Um, so if this is, uh, hello, Suzanne, good morning. Uh, if this is your first time hanging out with us on a Friday morning, I say us, it's just me here. Um, then the goal of this is just to answer your questions. I don't come in here with any preconceived kind of discussions or topics, but I love having you guys come on live with me. And so we'll bring on our first person live. Um, and we'll we'll just have a chat. We'll have a chat, answer any of your questions, whatever you want to ask. I'm here to answer. Uh, looks like our first person is a no-show. Uh, question here typed in, if I went to high school in Washington for two years, is that considered ties to a state? Sure. Sure is. Uh, Washington is a really tough one, though. They uh, they really like their in-state there. And they want, uh, if you're out of state, to have really good MCAT scores. So just uh, remember that. All right. Oh, it's never just you. It's the whole community. You know you're always with us in spirit. <laughs> or car speaker. Yes, yes, yes. The famous Dr. Gray. Not quite. Uh, it's just the random dude sitting in his basement hanging out with you all today. Uh, my voice is still a little off after battling a cold, so I'm a little more radio voice today. Um, but yeah, if you, if you guys want to come on, ask questions, you can do so. Just hit that little camera button. And we'll get you on. We can we can have some chat. Chats. We'll have some chats. Um, do you know any medical schools that won't accept pass-fail for spring 2020 semester? I don't know. Uh, I do not know. Spring 2020, obviously, the the heart of the pandemic for schools. Um, I'd be, vi- it'd be very hard-pressed for me to think that any schools would not take pass-fail. But... Never say never, because there are some cold-hearted people out there, unfortunately. Helen, I'm having interviews coming up. So excited. What do you think I should ask my interviewers? So one of the best questions that I like right now is, what do you love about this school that not a lot of people know about? You're asking an opinion-based question, which anyone can answer. You're asking their opinion, right, which is talking about themselves, you're asking something that can't easily be looked up. And so it's a win-win-win for all of those reasons. The biggest mistake that students make when asking questions about the interviewer uh, is asking very personal questions, like what brought you to this school? You have no idea what brought them to the school. They might not want to be at that school, but it's the only job they could get. They might not want to be in that location, but their spouse wants to live in that location. So to me, that's not an appropriate question because it's not helping you learn more about the school. So I like opinion-based questions, not specific questions, especially specific questions about the school, about the program, about the curriculum, about when first-year students, second-year students start to get access to clinical experiences the interviewers don't have a lot of that inside knowledge. So don't waste your your opportunities to connect with those types of very specific questions. 
All right, we'll bring on Jacob, see if he'll come on live with us. Hello, Jacob. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, so I'm a sophomore right now. I just started my sophomore year, and I don't plan on taking the MCAT for um, you know a few years. Yeah. But is there anything I can like do right now besides like paying attention in class to really like start getting the content down? Yeah, that that's number one, right? Is doing well in your classes, and not mm-hmm. just from a I got an A perspective, but mm-hmm. from a I understood the material perspective, which allowed me to get an A. There are a lot of you out there who can get A's without a lot of studying, a lot of understanding the material. You just cram it in the night before your test and spit it out and get a good grade. That will not help you on the MCAT. Definitely, yeah. So is there like um, like flashcards or anything like that I can start looking at just to kind of get the material in my head a thousand percent uh actually j- the fact that you mentioned flashcards blueprint mcat just released 1600 flashcards um oh, wow. it, it, as part of their free account so if you go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for their free account they've built a brand new uh spaced repetition platform with 1600 expertly crafted flashcards that you can start using today. And what they have found, I I have regular conversations with them, what they have found is that first and second year students are signing up for the flashcards uh, because they're easy, right? It's not a lot of commitment to to start studying for the MCAT, but it's just something easy and lightweight that you can can start kind of flipping through. So that's where I would go. Awesome. And uh, one other quick question. What's like the main... What's like the big difference between DO and MD? Like in terms of like, um, like red, one, like math. One, one has an M and one has an O. <laughs> so do you think it really makes um, a huge difference um, at the end of the day? Big, big picture, no. Uh-huh. And, and okay. I typically speak in big picture. So big picture, okay. no. No matter what school you go to, the, go to in this country, it will prepare you for whatever career you want. So you could go to, quote unquote, the worst medical school in this country and Mm -hmm. still go be faculty at Harvard if you want to. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's very different than law school in this country, where if you want to work at the most prestigious law firm in this country, you better go to Harvard Mm -hmm. or Yale Mm -hmm. or whatever the top 10 law firms are or or law schools Mm -hmm. are. Right. So very Mm -hmm. different. Micro. Right. So that's macro. Micro. Are there specific mm-hmm. residency programs, not residencies mm-hmm. big picture, but residency programs out there that mm-hmm. still have bias towards DOs? Yes, right? Because human bias is human bias, and they're going to be the old crusty white guys who are program directors in those residency spots who are like, oh, you're a DO? That means you weren't good enough to get into an MD program, and MD is better than DO, and we don't want you. So mm-hmm. in, a, in a micro perspective, there is still some bias, usually in the more elitist parts of the medical education world, uh, or more specifically graduate medical education world uh, is what we call residency. Um, but big picture, not an issue at all. All right, cool. Thank you for answering the uh, questions. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too. All right, if you want to come on live with me, this is how we make uh, a fun, fun, entertaining hour. It's just answering questions. 
Hello, my friend Hi. Suzanne. Hey, Dr. Gray. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Right. You gearing so up for your, ready for your interview? You ready? I, well, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> getting there. Uh, so I do have a few questions for you, yeah. mainly about uh, updates. Okay. So I have been contacting the schools I applied to and see who accepts updates and who doesn't and all this fun stuff. Okay. Uh, I work at a pre-health pre-law office at UCF. Yep. And I still I owe heard... you some books. They're sitting in my garage, <laughs> labeled and ready to go. They're just sitting there. <laughs> uh, what I have heard from the advisors at the office is to send updates like there's three different ways or three different times, October, December, and then around February. Okay. So my question is for updates, if someone wants to send one in October, for example, is it appropriate to put it as a resume format, or is it more like a letter, or, or what's what's the recommendation for updates? Short, short sweet. I, I would do it in more uh, of a, a letter format, um, but just short and sweet. I, I wouldn't make it anything long, a paragraph uh, at, at the most. All right, people are busy. They don't have a lot of time to read things. And so short short and sweet is the way to go. I don't necessarily buy into the October, December, or whatever kind of months you were telling me. I, I, I break it down to, do you have something useful to say? Do you not have something useful to say? That, that to me is the breakdown of when to send updates. There, there are a okay. lot of advisors out there who recommend and, and try to be strategic around different timelines because they say, well, medical schools are going to be done with the first wave of reviews at the end of September. And so October is a good time to send an update because then they're ready to start looking as a, at a second round of reviews. And, and, and my take on that and, and uh, kind of confirming with other people out there in the space is that every medical school is on such different kind of schedules and timelines and processes that you can't generalize the whole process for all 200 plus medical schools into October, December, January, whatever it is. Okay. Right. So, so at the end of the day, send an update. If you have something that is important to say, mm -hmm. don't if you don't. Okay. So as a follow-up for that, uh, for example, if I send up one in now in October or November, which I do have multiple new stuff that I started, which is kind of why the updates start with. But then if I haven't heard from schools, is it appropriate to send another one in January or February? Like, hey, I have been continuing doing this. No. But I'm still interested in your school. No. No? Okay. No. Because that's that's not an update. That's just a, a pester letter. Right? I'm, I'm okay. pestering you. I'm still doing everything I told you I'm doing. Uh, please. <laughs> like, I'm still here. Hello. <laughs> okay. And for interest letters, I know, like, there's intent, interest, and update. For interest letter. Is it appropriate to send it to school that haven't sent us an interview yet? Or how does that and yeah. when will that play in the process? Yeah. So so for me, I have and I don't know how much I've changed my tune on this recently. I have to go back and try to think about what I've said in the past about interest letters. I don't think interest letters are useful at all. Okay. Pre-interview, your interest letter is your application. 
All right, your okay. primary application, your secondary application, as well as the hundred dollars for your secondary application is your interest letter and bribe money. Right, <laughs> that's what that is. And so, yeah. sending another letter is nothing more than just pestering them. Like, I know I applied to you. I just want to let you know I'm still interested. Well, duh, right? <laughs> of course you're interested. You spent money and time and effort to to submit a secondary to us. Okay. That, that's interesting because one of the schools I talked to, I talked one of was one of the representative, and he said, like, update us three to four weeks. I was like... Every three to four weeks, you want me to send you an update? There there are some schools that want that. There are some schools that are like, communicate, 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 tell us everything you're doing. And, and that's perfectly fine, right? Remember, okay. at the end of the day, there are very specific rules for each medical school. Again, I talk a big picture for the far majority mm -hmm. of schools. And then there are random schools that are like, talk to us as much as you want. We love it. There, are, okay. there, there's the other side of the extreme, right? Just everything has a bell curve. Uh, that, that's one extreme. The other side of the extreme is do not talk to us. Do not email us. Do not call us. Do not peek through our windows. Do not okay. like just nothing. Like don't even go to our website. We know who you are. We'll reject you on the spot. <laughs> right. Which it's funny. I found both extremes from the schools I applied to and talked to. One of them was like, don't send us any update. We don't want to hear from you at all. Another one, update us every three to four weeks. I was like, how do I keep track of all of this? But yeah. Yeah. Through through mapped at some point. We'll have all of that data inside of mapped at some point. Um uh, but, but it's not there yet. Um, <laughs> so, so that's one way of doing it or okay. spread spreadsheets and emails and just lots of, lots of trying to figure that out. Awesome. Well, I think that's all my questions. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Um, speaking of mapped, uh, I just left a comment there and I pinned it. Uh, this week, Mapped rolled out a free tier. So if you haven't checked out Mapped app yet, it's a whole technology platform that allows you as the pre-med student and pre-PA student to track everything that you're doing in your journey. I had a great call with TMDSAS, the, the people at TMDSAS yesterday, about what Map does. We're going to try to do some partnership stuff with them potentially in the future, pushing information from Mapped to the application service, which is awesome. Uh, but Mapped allows you to track your courses, your MCAT scores, your activities. Uh, and as you are tracking your stuff, along with a custom roadmap, you get custom algorithmic feedback to say, hey, like your trends are not looking great. Here's what to do. Or, hey, it looks like you're applying in six months, seven months, eight months. Uh, right, June of 2022, and you don't have any clinical experience that we can see inside of Mapped, and that's not good. And here's why: so uh, very much a a feedback and advising platform, as well as a tracking platform, so you can keep track of everything you're doing as a pre med. And we just rolled out a free tier um, so that students, so that you can go sign up for a free account uh, or go sign up for a free trial. Use all of the bells and whistles. And if you don't find it useful, but you like tracking your grades and your GPA because your your school transcript GPA is not the same as your med school GPA, uh, you can still use Mapped App um, for free 
for as long as you want, just tracking courses and your GPA. So that just rolled out again this week. Again, if you want to come on live with me to ask questions, that's how I would prefer you come on and ask questions instead of just typing questions. Um, but we'll take one here from Dave. Do medical schools care if you take courses like OCHEM at a community college? The bigger question, Dave, is why are you taking courses at a community college? Everything in life is a matter of um, perception. What is the perception of you taking classes at community college? Well, the perception is that you are avoiding, potentially, taking OCHEM at your four-year university, and that looks bad. Now, obviously, that is assuming that you're at a four-year university while you're taking your class in uh, community college. If you start in community college and you, you do the normal two years of community college and you happen to take OCHEM at community college, and then you transfer to a university to finalize your degree, then the bigger question is, were you able to maintain, hopefully, your good GPA between that transition? The latter, where you start at community college, you finish at a four-year university, you take some of your prereqs at community college, perfectly fine. The former, where you are in a four-year university and you're jumping to a community college to take courses, looks sketchy. So you just have to be careful with that. All right, again, uh, keep uh, clicking that little camera icon to come on live with me. Do trade school classes count in the AMCAS GPA? Uh, what you should do is look at the AMCAS instruction manual, but typically if you receive a grade, if you receive a transcript, uh, then yes, it goes in your application. For budgeting purposes, with all the MCAT material out there, would I be safe in assuming if I purchased the Blueprint MCAT, then I wouldn't need to get any other materials? That would be a decent assumption, but the AAMC material is always a must. So the AAMC material, always a must. But if you purchase the Blueprint material, then you get the AAMC material typically for free. So just, just make sure whatever you're getting from Blueprint includes the AAMC material, and then you're good to go. All right. Good questions. Good questions. Keep them coming. Uh, click that little camera button uh, and, and come on live with me like uh, Suzanne just did. It's a much better time when we have a good conversation. Thoughts on biomedical sciences as a pre-med degree? Pre-med degrees do not matter. What you major in does not matter. Major in English, major in Spanish, major in underwater basket weaving does not matter. All right, we'll get Lindsay on, hanging out here. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on the interview 
like when you hear back from interviews, does it come kind of in waves or cycles or anything? It's really hard to find <laughs> information like that out there. Yeah. Are you talking post-interview when you hear back about how your interview went or pre-interview? That too, pre-interview. Pre-interview. But if you want to come post-interview too, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the answer always is it just depends on the school. Um, so the far majority of schools in the U.S., uh, Canada is not like this. Canada does not have rolling admissions. The far, uh, far majority of schools uh, use rolling admissions or have rolling admissions, meaning they are constantly looking at applications coming in and constantly evaluating those applications to invite people for interviews. So it just depends on, on the school. But again, the far majority have rolling admissions. So the bigger question is how are they reviewing applications and in what order are they reviewing applications? I have typically seen medical schools, and this is just anecdotal from students reaching out to me going, I haven't heard anything. And then I'll ask about stats because stats is the easiest thing, unfortunately, to rank and sort and filter by, right? And it's typically... If you have mid to lower stats, right? If you have a 3.6 and a 5.05 on your MCAT, then I have seen historically that your interview invites are going to come a little bit later in the cycle because medical schools are typically fighting over the 4.0, 5.28 students. And then they fight over the 3.9, 5.25 students. And then they fight over the 3.8, 5.20 students. And so all of the medical schools, for the most part, right, all, um, is they are trying to get the best of the best because unfortunately, stats matter to medical schools because stats are included in the U.S. News and World Report rankings. Yeah. So okay. it's a big, giant game, unfortunately. And so the Harvards and Yales and Stanfords and, and Vanderbilts and, and UCSFs and, and WashUs are all out there fighting and fighting and fighting for those top students. So everyone else, unfortunately, is left to just wait. So if you have lower stats, then it's just a waiting game and you just have to be patient. And understand that as we're recording this at September 24th, it's still pretty early in this process. Yeah. Do you find that also when I guess AMCAS closes, not closes, but the deadline for some people, October 15th, that you notice more people send them out because schools want to look at more applications necessarily or not really? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand your question. Who's who's sending what out? Um, certain schools like have that primary application deadline, which yep. is October 15th. So do you find that there's a wave of interviews that are kind of like sent out after October 15th because of that or just kind of in general? No, if people are applying October 15th, they've already failed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Valid point. It's unfortunate, right? Not there. There are still people out there that think based on deadlines, because that's how college admissions works, yeah. right? College admissions, if you get your, um, pri I call it primary application, if you, I forget the the one college or or whatever the, the college application is, um, 
if you get your college application in by the deadline, Lindsay, are you a Gator? I am a Gator. Go Gators. <laughs> Go Gators. All right. All right. I yes. see. I see orange and blue and Gators. I'm like, yes. Gators. Yes. <laughs> do you know I'm a Gator? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Okay, good. You should have led with that. Um, oh, no, sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, oh, it's a tough loss last week, but I'm excited for Tennessee oh, no, tomorrow. I know. It's okay. Tennessee will be good. I'm yeah, excited. This I'm weekend. excited. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> so for college, if you get your application in by the deadline, you're normal, right? It's yeah. it's fine. Yes. You are going to be considered like everyone else. Um, for medical school admissions, because of rolling admissions, if you apply by the deadline, you're way behind the eight ball. And and yes, there are some schools out there that may hold some spots for those last um, last uh, kind of minute uh, applications, but it's it's not likely at that point. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Thank you. I appreciate yes. that. Yes, you um, are welcome. Go Gators. Also, I always recommend all your books and your videos to all the pre-med students that I see coming in as freshmen. So nice. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And if I can, are, are you part of AMSA there? I'm not part of AMSA. I'm part of another organization called Pre-Professional Service Organization or PSO. So Cool. If, if I could come speak there, if a member or MAP team could come speak, let me know. That would actually be really wonderful. <laughs> Make it happen. I'll be in contact. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Go Gators. Thank you. Go Gators. Bye. Uh, the common app, Rachel Grubbs, my mapped co-founder coming in strong. Uh, I always forget the name, the common app. It's, it's such a common name that it's, it's forgetful. Um, it's forgettable, right? That's a terrible name. The common app, whatever. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, keep these questions coming. Click that little video button to come on live with me. Brett, go Gators. Um, is health informatics master's good choice for a dual program into medical school? Um, so Maha, are you asking about, uh, like MD with a master's in health informatics, or are you talking about getting a master's in health informatics to get into medical school? If it's the latter, if you're trying to use it to get into medical school, then I would say no, it's probably not a good master's to help you get into medical school, assuming you need it to prove academic capability. That would be my thought there. Uh, again, click that little camera button. Come on live with me. Let's hang out. Um, yes, for all of you asking about speaking at a club, again, Rachel, my co-founder at Mapped, just uh, put a comment to, um, I'll pin it here, email info at Mapped to, uh, to get me or someone else to come, come speak at your club. Um, so whoever just asked to come on live with me, I'm not going to pick you. You don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a, uh, profile picture and your name is all gobbledy gook. So I don't trust those types of requests. Uh, so Maha, yeah, to, to prove academic capability, it, it would need to be some sort of masters in a hard sciences, unfortunately, um, or just a standard postback. In my state, I cannot find in-person shadowing. 
I will be in the process of applying in 2022. Is this fine? Unfortunately, King, uh, you're not the only one out there, right? There's this little thing called a pandemic that has affected in-person shadowing throughout the country. And yeah, there are pockets out there where uh, some physicians are allowing shadowing, but for the most part, it's going to be hard to come by. And medical schools know that, right? You're not the only one, again, out there who is struggling with this. So uh, I would get as much virtual shadowing as possible. eShadowing.com is what I do on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You don't have to show up live, but you get the rest of the week to watch the session, to complete a quiz, to get credit for that session, to go toward shadowing hours. Uh, and I would put it on your application as shadowing hours. And that's it. Is computer science considered hard science? I wouldn't consider computer science hard science again. You want to apply to medical school, that means medical stuff, right? Biology, chemistry, etc. Red Cross, yeah, would be potentially great. Is there an ideal amount of patient contact hours? Ideal amount, uh, there is not. You should get some. You should be consistent with it. You should try as as hard as possible. Um, again, hit that little camera button to come on live with me. Ricky. Can MAPT also calculate the GPA that med schools will be able to see? Yes, that's that's one of the favorite features of MAPT. Uh, we have lots of bells and whistles, but students love being able to see um, uh, how MAPT works and how it calculates GPAs um, uh, based on how each individual application service calculates GPAs. I'm going to see if I can log in. Um, to mapped and flip my camera around. Well, let's see if this works. And then I can show you uh, what this potentially looks like. Let me change to a phone layout and whoa, where'd it go? All right. Oh, that's funky. All right, so let's see if I flip my camera around. So this is, it's a little wonky. Uh, This is mapped uh, kind of in a a weird little um, kind of pseudo mobile mode here on my desktop. Uh, And so you can see here that mapped has all the GPA calculations. Um, uh, This is for CASPA. Uh, because I have in my profile, I have it set to being a pre-PA student, but I can change that to be a pre-med student. If I scroll down here, I'm looking through my phone trying to see what I'm doing, so it's a little funky here. Uh, PCAT, GRE, here we go. So if I turn myself into a pre-med student and go and save that information... Uh, which is cut off because I have my screen minimized here. Uh, Now you can see that I now have MCAS calculations. So if you switch at some point and you're like, I want to be a pre-PA student, then all of your information is in here and still works. So you can see that 
if I change the application service, the graphs change because, again, the application services adjust everything uh, based on how they calculate grades. So that is uh, just a little mini preview of Mapped. Ricky, gonna sign up today? Yes. Go, Ricky. Again, go um, if you scroll up and find my um, my comment here. I'll pin it again. Uh, you get free thirty days using that thirty days free referral code. All right, uh, let's get some more people. I got about twenty more minutes. If you want to come on live with me, click that little camera button and let's uh, let's hang out. Let's chat. Uh, I just graduated with a BSc in biochem last April and currently working as a med lab tech. I had I have had the chance to swab patients for COVID testing. Can this count as patient hours? Yeah, I would count that. Sticking stuff up people's noses? Sure. All right. Questions are slowing down. So if you have questions, let's let's rock and roll. All right, all right, all right. Steven asks, are you having Application Academy this coming year again? I am. We'll start announcing that soon. Application Academy will be back. It has been a blast this year. Uh, we're actually wrapping up here soon. Um, and it's just so exciting to see all the students, uh, not all, but <laughs> a lot of the students coming in, getting their interview invites, already getting acceptances. So it was a blast and it's going to be even better next year. So more to come on that. Um, all right. How can I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you? If you go to mapped.com, you can see uh, different uh, advising options there. If I want to start medical school in 2023, when is the ideal timeline to take the MCAT and apply? So I'm going to flip my camera around again, and I'm going to show you what this looks like. So this is the perfect kind of uh, thing for what mapped is good for. So in my profile, so you said you want to start medical school in 2023. So let's go ahead and tell mapped that. So target degree, uh, target med school start year right here. So I'm going to say 2023. Okay. And then we are going to save this. And mapped has a roadmap that's in beta. We have a lot more fun stuff coming to it. But the roadmap is exactly your question, right? Is, hey, from 2019 to 2023, you should be focusing on academic success, right? That's important. Uh, you should be focusing on volunteering across those four years, on clinical experience across those four years, on shadowing. So all of these little pieces that uh, that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, starting around August of 2021, April of 2022, start kind of gathering all of your experiences. If you've been using MAPT, they're all in MAPT. If you aren't using MAPT, gather all of those experiences, start writing down your thoughts, start writing down your ideas. Uh, start your MCAT prep around October 2021 and take the MCAT 
between January 2022 and March 2022. This is ideal timeline. The later that you take it, um, the the potential harder it is because it's delaying your application and work on your application, et cetera. So nice little roadmap there on on everything to um, to get into medical school. So you are applying based on this. Let me scroll down to applications is uh, personal statement and then primary applications open up May of 2022. So not a lot of people understand, and it's always a big shock to them, that medical school application takes a year, right? It's uh, over a year in, in some cases. you The application cycle opens in May and ends when medical school starts the following year. All right. Uh, again, come on live with me. Click that little video button. I prefer to have a conversation with you instead of just talking to all of you. Have you heard anything regarding how medical schools have been conducting interviews for this cycle in person or online? If so, what do you personally think they will go with for next cycle? The far, far, far majority of schools are doing virtual. Uh, There are some schools, just like there were some schools last year, somehow, (laughs) that were doing in-person interviews. Um, I I think in-person interviews will, will likely come back more mainstream next year. And my hope, my hope is that there will be virtual options because it is a lot more affordable for students. Um, and so hopefully we'll see some democratization of, of that. We'll get people to uh, to be able to go on more interviews and get acceptances to their dream programs because they were virtual. So we'll see how that plays out next year. Hello, Boris. Hello. How are you, Dr. Gray? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Um, I was wondering how I could uh, talk about why osteopathic medicine, um, but I haven't had a lot of exposure to DOs. Yep. Um, just like I've talked to one, but, and uh, I feel like that's a question that will probably come up. I have an upcoming interview with a DO. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so the question is, how do you talk about why DO? Yeah. They, they, I feel like that's a question that, could potentially come up. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I've done my research into DO and I, there's things that I like about it, but I don't know if it's, I, I don't have a strong experience with DO yeah. um, medicine in general. So I was wondering what you thought. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times for a lot of students, it comes down to what you've researched versus what you've seen in person or what you have been able to talk, um, uh, talk to students about. So, I would do your research as much as possible. And then as much as possible, like anything in life in terms of interviews, is is avoid the cliches, right? Of like, well, I really want to be a, an osteopathic physician because of the holistic philosophy, right? Don't, don't use buzzwords like that. Break it down. What does that mean to you? How have you, how have you seen uh, the potential impact that an osteopathic physician may have maybe with OMM even though you haven't seen it or experienced it, how potentially can you tie it into your life? Were you an athlete? Did you get massages? Did you see an athletic trainer who manipulated you in some ways? They weren't a DO, but they still did soft tissue manipulation and you saw the benefit of that, right? So being able to tie things into your your own experiences to lean on to help support your reasons 
for why you're interested in osteopathic medicine without just spitting out holistic philosophy. Right. Yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's what I'll talk about. Um, and then I had a another quick question, and I think it's maybe a little more broad, but um, I do have an MMI interview also coming up. Okay. And uh, I've heard different things about how to prepare, and and I've read your book, and I'm kind of torn between like like practicing a lot of questions and just kind of seeing how I would answer, but at the same time, like maybe I shouldn't because I want to be like you know more like just yeah. conversational. I don't yeah. know. At the end of the day, it's a conversation, just like a traditional interview. It's just a little bit more forced in this kind of weird scenario that they may put you in. But at the end of the day, it's just a conversation about that scenario. And the MMI, as opposed to a more traditional interview, is a lot more show your work, meaning tell me your thought process behind everything that you're telling me. That's where you get points. Right, Very similar to Casper. A lot of people do poorly on Casper because they don't show their work. right? Meaning, what is the thought process behind how you got to your answer? So the MMI is very much show your work. And practicing questions gets very tedious over time. And what you end up doing is forcing yourself typically into frameworks to answer questions which is very forced. As an interviewer, it comes across as very forced and fake instead of that conversation. And so I typically tell students, do a mock MMI just so you understand the process. What is the timing of two minutes or three minutes, depending on the school, to read the scenario? What, is the, what does it feel like to walk into a room and introduce yourself either if it's an actor-based scenario or an interview-based scenario, interview, uh, introducing yourself in different ways and being able to jump into this conversation about the scenario. So having that level of practice, again, very similar to Casper, where it's we say just understand the process of the test and then you don't need any more practice. I see. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And... Just one more thing during the like when I when I'm talking with one of the during one of the scenarios, is it like a more like a conversation or they just expect me to talk for the six to eight minutes that they? Yeah, you're you're not there? expected to talk the whole time. Uh, okay. I've heard of one school and I forget the school off the top of my head, but I've heard of one school where there's zero interaction. And, and that makes me mad because that's that's not how the MMI should be. Um, okay. that, that, as far as I know, that's not how Casper designed the test or not Casper Altus, which is the, the same people who created Casper. That's not how mm-hmm. they designed the MMI to be is, is you talking for six to eight minutes or whatever it is. Right. Um, it, it's meant to be, here are my initial thoughts, right. And get out all your thoughts. A lot of students will like hide things and keep things back, assuming there's going to be a conversation and they'll go, well, they'll ask me a follow-up question. Then I can drop this knowledge bomb on them. I'm like, don't hold anything back. Like give it all out yeah. and then let the interviewer respond with, with a potential follow-up question. A lot of times what they are doing is they are kind of head down looking at you and looking down and looking at you and looking down because they have a rubric on how to score the MMI with you. And so they're going, okay, 
Boris talked about this. Great. He gets credit for that. Oh, he didn't talk about this yet. When he stops talking, I'm going to ask a follow-up question to see if he mentions this thing that we're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. That's how an MMI is typically scored is through some sort of rubric where they're, they're seeing um, if you're highlighting the different things that they want highlighted, whether it's empathy, compassion, whatever, right? And, and a lot of students will hear that and go, well, that's stupid. You're, you're taking this conversation and just like turning it into a score and, and this checklist. I'm like, actually, it's to your benefit because it's removing subjectivity out of the conversation and allowing every student who goes through that station to be scored the same way. And you'd be very, very, very surprised even when prompted in some specific ways by an interviewer that they have the, the student has no clue how to respond and they don't get they don't get points for for a lot of stuff right yeah okay wow that's great that's great information thank you so much you're welcome you have a great day you too all right be like boris and come on and uh, click that little camera icon and hang out with me ask some questions we've got about 10 minutes or so before we hang up. Do, 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 do. What materials do you recommend for studying for the MCATs? Number one, the MCAT podcast. Number two, the MCAT cars podcast. Number three, a free account at Blueprint MCAT. That's where I would start. Can I find all your books at Barnes and Noble or would online be best? You can find three of my four books at Barnes and Noble. Uh, the fourth book, the MCAT book, um, the pre-med playbook guide to the MCAT um, is only on um, Amazon, I believe. Hello, the artsy med. Hello, hello. Um, all right, a couple more minutes. Someone come on live with me. Let's ask some questions. Good day, please. I got a bachelor's in sociology, took pre-med classes as well. My science GPA is below three, and I'm doing a do-it-yourself postback at community college due to financial struggles. And I don't see the rest of the question. <laughs> All right. We'll bring on Ramsey. I've been volunteering as a soccer couch for kids under 12 for my community for the past two years. Can I use this? Of course you can use that. Of course. Of course, of course. I don't know if being a soccer couch is very impactful. Um, being a soccer coach is really cool, though. <laughs> Um, in addition, should I use Kaplan books? Any set of books will work. It doesn't matter. Ramsey, I'm trying to bring you on. Let's try one more time. Going once, going twice. All right. All right. Well, it looks like you guys uh, don't have any more questions, so we'll end a little bit early. I hope you all have a wonderful day.
And uh, if you, uh, again, want to request myself or one of our MAPT team members to come speak at your club, email info at MAPT.com. That's M-A-P-P-D dot com. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. Well, actually, uh, next Wednesday, we do Ask the Dean here on uh, Instagram Live. It's it's held through YouTube, but we stream it here on Instagram Live. That's at 11, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then at 11 a.m. Eastern on Fridays, I will be here hanging out with you. Have a wonderful week, a wonderful weekend. I will see you next time. All right, there you have it. Another great Q&A on Instagram Live for your purposes. I typically am live on Instagram Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is Ask the Dean, which is a public Q&A that we stream on YouTube, but I also just kind of hold my phone up, uh, mounted on a tripod to, to show you on Instagram as well. If you want to ask questions on Wednesdays, you have to go to premed.tv or mapped.tv and ask your questions on the YouTube stream. And then on Fridays at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. rather, Eastern, uh, I do just an Instagram live uh, to, to hang out with you all. And soon I'll be doing that on TikTok as well. I'll have my two phones side by side and we'll, we'll have some fun on both. So that's what I got for you. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out Blueprint MCAT at blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for a free account where you get access to their amazing new flashcard platform, spaced repetition flashcard platform with over 1,600 flashcards expertly crafted to help you understand and know the material that you need to know for the MCAT. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years Podcast. This is MedEd Media.